Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burnt Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn coverage at burntorangenation.com. Thank you so much for listening in again this week. It would mean a lot to us if you would leave us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you want to share this with a friend, a coworker, somebody you know loves Texas Longhorn sports, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, or wherever you find this podcast. My name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week like I am every week. And I am joined by my good friend, a man that's got the keys, the keys, the keys, the keys, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you doing this week, bud? I'm doing fantastic. I'm back on the podcast. I I do have the keys. Uh, The keys to life are to uh, spend a lot of time on Caribbean beaches. I think that's uh, that's my, my major key alert right there. So how, like, where exactly did you go in the Caribbean? Just so I can be maximum jealous right now. Yeah, absolutely. This is uh, welcome to the premier uh, Caribbean island rating podcast on the SB Nation and Burnt Orange Nation uh, network. Um, now, I went to the Bahamas uh, actually twice because the cruise I went on owns an island in the Bahamas, as one does. Wow. Um, yeah. And uh, so we hit it on the way in and then their island on the way back. I went to Jamaica, which was awesome. I actually bobsledded in the rainforest, which was which was a dream um, for anyone who's ever seen runnings or seen me watch cool runnings um <laughs> and then uh and then did uh cayman islands just to do a little banking while i was there that that feels feels like a good decision to me so after a week of optimism even though kyle was away from us we were disappointed on saturday texas managed to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory to lose to Texas Tech 27 to 23. We'll break that down. We'll talk a little bit about some recent roster moves. We saw a couple of announcements uh, as of the date of recording. Texas is losing two uh, big names, big names, but maybe not big contributors, depending on your feelings on it. Uh, we'll talk a little bit basketball, and then obviously we'll close the game with a little bit of bang the drum. So Kyle, you managed to keep up with it somewhat. You uh, had a bad internet connection. There's something about the Bahamas and cruise ships and Wi-Fi, blah, blah, blah. But you managed to keep up with the game. Uh, Texas decided that it didn't want to win that game. So uh, Texas Tech managed to come back late in the game, 27 to 23. So Kyle, from what you were able to glean, from what you are able to watch on some replays, uh, what what went wrong? What the heck happened against Texas Tech? Yeah, I uh, I was feeling pretty good. I couldn't watch it. I was I was uh, Twitter. I was trying different live streams that you were sending me, and and everything was getting blocked. Uh, catching uh, catching you know the play by play is the most dramatic way to watch a game. It's it's like people on the radio in the in the forties when you just have to kind of wait uh, for someone to describe it to you. But uh, I went back and watched some of it and uh, most of it, and and just oh man. The thing that kind of upsets me is we get to the end of the year and you, you try to look for signs of, of progression and themes and things you saw in the season. And one thing that stood out that I wish didn't was Texas continues to play to their level of competition um, on weeks when you're playing really good teams, which is a Tom Herman MO. He's never going to be uh, intimidated by the the small number next to your name. Uh, he's going to come out and, and, and play well against the best teams. Uh, we did that. I mean, unfortunately not. Uh, to the point of of winning all those games or or many of those games, but uh, we played with those teams, which was good and it was promising. But then we also uh, played against you know the not so good teams and the average teams and came out and matched them blow for blow. I mean, even to the to the tune of you know 
making Kansas too close of a game uh, when it shouldn't have been. Um, and, and then again, this tech team, I really think is generous at six and six. Um, I don't think they're that good as the record states. Um, so it's just, it's a frustrating thing. Um, congratulations, Cliff Kingsbury. I think we saved his job for him, which may actually be a good thing for Texas in the long run. I, I, I haven't seen yet Cliff to be a, uh, a pure program builder out there the way Mike Leach's kind of cult of personality brought guys uh, and success out to the desert. But uh, I think Cliff saved his job with that one. So, so good for him and for all the women who are forced to watch college football. Um, <laughs> not that there aren't female college football fans. I know a lot of them, but some uh, are just kind of sitting next to, next to their dude watching and, and are forced to, to take it in. And Cliff Kingsbury helps with that. But um, I mean, this is again, the, the basic breakdown uh, defense was, was pretty good. was, was at times very good and offense was offensive. Um, I don't know what you, you, you really watched the, uh, the offense a little more closely than I, what, uh, what are your, what are your thoughts on, on that side of the ball? Let's start with the, uh, the negative so we can build on a little positive momentum to close it. It just, it, it boggled my mind that a week after kind of establishing an identity of being mean and nasty in the trenches and not making mistakes up front, that is the exact opposite of what they did. They got pushed around by a Texas tech defensive line that, I mean, they've got some players on there, but but Tech is like bottom half of the country, I think, going into that game uh, in rush defense, mm-hmm. and, and they got pushed around by, by Tech. Uh, Connor Williams, as good as he looked against West Virginia, uh, looked, I would say, just as bad against against Tech. He was out of position. He, he got beat a couple of times. He had some really bonehead mistakes. Um, so that was, that was a struggle for me. You know, and it comes back to – I just don't know what this offense is, is trying to be. And and the fact of the matter is like they managed to get less than 400 offensive yards on a team that was giving up nearly 440 yards per game. So they didn't crack 400. They were 60 yards shy of get, of Texas Tech's average. Yeah. Like that, that's just, that's, that's inexcusable to mm-hmm. me. Uh, so the offense struggled, never found its rhythm. They inexplicably put Ellinger or not. They, had Ellinger start and they inexplicably put Bouchelle in for a series and seemed to sap some momentum. Uh, you know, the, the running backs were having to break too many tackles in the backfield. Uh, there were some really, really abhorrent play calls late in the game. Uh, there was a, uh, a fourth quarter uh, interception that Sam Ellinger threw a freshman mistake. He's done that before. I think those types of mistakes, if he doesn't eliminate them are going to mean that we have for the fourth year in a row, a freshman starting at quarterback. Yeah. Uh, it's possible. I've got some talent coming in, but he threw it. He threw a dumb pass. I think on a play where he should not have thrown a pass. It was third and two. You run the ball in that situation. There's two minutes left on the clock. Like if you can't get two yards there, then you deserve to lose the game. And you should put the ball on the foot of the best player on the field. Like if you can't get those two yards and Dixon's going to bail you out with his foot, like he has done time in and time out. So I think I, I blame him for making that read, but I do not blame him for being in that situation. Uh, the, they managed three points in the second half. It's just, it's, it's not great. I, I don't have a ton of good things to say about this game. If you can't tell. Yeah. And, and I mean, you touched on a lot of the, the pain points that, that we felt, but the one that, I mean, I don't know if we've really gone in depth to talk about this. We spent a lot of time in the beginning of the year, kind of hyping them up and talking about how good they had the potential to be. And when they made plays, we saw that and just needed to make a little bit more. And in, in the beginning of the season, they really didn't have drops issues. Um, but that receiving, unit i mean 
the line as the exception because they're just a constant bad uh, has maybe been the biggest disappointment because of the level of expectation and truly the talent level that's that's in that group um i mean they they didn't bail out their freshman quarterback i think every receiver had a drop even our best receivers um colin johnson armani foreman i mean everyone had kind of crucial big big chunk potential plays that they dropped uh and when you have a quarterback a perpetually running for his life and b um being forced to be the playmaker because that's the only way your offense gets anything done um you have to be there to when you're called upon, I mean, I, I played receiver in my day, um, come from a family of wide receivers, you know, that's, that's, there's something, uh, there's something noble about the fact that maybe not in the game where, you know, you pass 70 times a game, like, like tech does. And, and some of the teams have done in the past, but, you know, typically if you get six or seven targets a game, you're expected when the ball comes to you, you put your hands on it and, and it's a catch, you know? Um, and it just is it, really unfortunate to watch that group. I think if not regress, then just, uh, you know, have some boneheaded plays. And I guess we still have one more game in the season with the bowl where, you know, I'm ready to uh, be made a fool and they can come out and just, just stun all over uh, whoever our poor opponent is. But uh, you know, my, my optimism is waning with that group specifically. It goes to show how inconsistent this group is. And I don't know if it's a, a personnel issue. I don't know if it's a Herman issue. I don't know if it's a, if it's a Beck issue, but you saw Armonte Foreman make, Probably the gutsiest play I've seen him make in in his career on his first touchdown. He was dragging folk into the end zone, and then he kind of just went went silent. Like I don't know if it was he hasn't established trust with the quarterback or what, but I feel like that play, like that's a senior that wants to go out with on senior night with a W. And so if I'm a quarterback, and again I never played quarterback, I was an offensive lineman. Uh, but if I if I'm a quarterback. I don't I don't know why I don't go back to that guy. It just doesn't make sense to me and. I, I just don't know what this offense is going to do, and I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen because they don't, they still don't have the personnel to to run Orlando's offense. They they don't, and the receivers, again, probably the most talented squad on the field outside of maybe the defensive backs. And then again, I think it still is probably a runaway with with the receivers. Like, how do you not have a guy? 12 games in the season. Like, how do you not have yeah. your go-to emergency valve, safety valve guy? Like, that's just inexcusable to me. Yeah, and uh, you, it's funny. You said uh, Orlando's offense. I actually kind of would, would, wouldn't mind seeing Todd Orlando call the offense. Just one game, give him a shot, see what he can do. But uh, I did um, say Todd Orlando. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, you know, another one would have been uh, if uh, the the father of the foremans uh, was our play caller. I would have loved to see what our offense uh, would have been because he seems to think that it was just a, a pure doghouse issue that Amar- uh, Amati didn't see the field as much he he did actually uh foreman uh led the team with with four receiving touchdowns this year and, and probably you know played 30 50 at most percent of the snaps um especially there was games where he was just blanked um so i don't know it's it's tough because sometimes it's a purely frustrated with the play calling issue and then it's a personnel you know frustrated with what they're doing personnel wise uh, and i understand it must be frustrating with with the coaches when they they call something and it doesn't get executed but uh just just frustrating all around watching that team play. And, and just one more thing on, on our quarterbacks. Um, you know, B- Michelle had a had an incredible freshman year and, and it looked like, you know, the the sky was the limit, even though there were some obvious issues with, with his size and maybe a little bit of his arm strength and how he recovered from some injuries. Um, I think a lot of that was masked by having a 2000 yard rusher who was very, 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 very good um, that you could play action off of. Um, but, uh, and I think the same with our line play last year, but uh 
But, you know, we come in with a freshman. Ellinger is is a freshman who's told to make plays to, and he sees that that's the only way that the offense sometimes can do anything. You're going to have the plays where the freshman tries to make a play that would have won the game in high school. You know, we said that after the USC game when he had that interception. Um, OSU was kind of inexplicable at the end of the game. And now Tech, I mean, just, just multiple games where a kid going out and trying to do too much because he's asked to do too much you know it's it's not him overextending as much as it's all right you're the guy you have to do it 18 year old you know with with however many uh games experience you know that as you've gotten this year it's just uh it's a tough ask and it's a tough always going to be a tough thing to watch as a fan because there's going to be pains but it's you know you want to see by the end of the year we keep coming back to it that word progression and and i don't know can you name someone on this offense uh besides like a to Neil Carter, who just popped up and we saw him, or, or Danny Young, who started to get the opportunities that he didn't get at the beginning of the year. Can you name someone on this offense who progressed from week one to, you know, the final week of the season? I, I cannot. I, I, and I say that we, I'm, I'm legitimately trying. I cannot think of one person that is a better player than they were week one. And that's hard for me to say because, and I'm not the guy that's going to go, I, I'm not the guy to go out and be critical of these, these, these players. Like they are, significantly better athletes on their worst days and I will be on the best day in the best shape of my life. That's not, that's not me, but I, I'm as a, as a coaching staff, it is inexcusable for your five-star and four-star talents to be playing worse at the end of the season than they are at the beginning. Like that's not, a, that's not a player issue. That's a coaching and development issue that a hundred percent without any sort of equivocation. I think it's really telling uh, of, of, the staff's feelings on on this talent. They've got four early enrollees signed up already for this 20, mm-hmm. uh, 2017, 2018 class, and both of them are quarterbacks. Two of the four are quarterbacks. Both Cam Rising and Casey Thompson are going to be on campus yep. in, in the spring. So I think that's telling of of how the coaching staff feels about the, the quarterback situation. Because I think, you know, Casey Thompson is probably the closest to a Tim Beck quarterback that they've got. He's he's a dual threat guy. Yeah. I think Cam Rising is a monster. And I think um, he's going to come and I think they both compete from day one. Cause I think again, um, you know, Thompson can, can run the QB power. He can run the zone read uh, with a bit more of natural running ability than, than any of these guys. And I think just rising's got a freaking rocket for an arm. He's the prototype pro quarterback, six, two, two, 10. Like he's just he stands in the pocket, makes the big throws. He's got the arm strengths. I think, um, you know, I think it's very telling that they, they don't feel like they have what they need at quarterback. Um, I think they're going to have to do a lot of work on the offensive line recruiting wise. And we'll talk about that here in a couple of weeks uh, about where Texas needs to go, but let's, let's shift. Let's go back to tech. I, I kind of went on a tangent there. Uh, let's talk about the defense for, for just a minute. Cause the defense uh, after looking like they may have found their stride again for a couple of weeks, they, they struggled against Texas tech. They did well for the, the first chunk of the game. I'll say they did well, to start the game, you know, they, they held tech to, um, you know, 13 points through three quarters, which is pretty good for an offense. That's, that's scoring. Like they do You give up 13 points to a team that's, you know, get averaging 35 points a game. So that's, that's a real good. And then, um, you know, they tech undid the, the weird choice of starting the freshman over the guy who's been, putting up these numbers all all 11 games to that point. And then Shimonek comes in two series, four completions, 96 yards, and two scores. 
Yeah, and, and you kind of <laughs> said it to me when I was asking what was going on, and you said uh, Shimanek plays the whole game, Texas maybe loses by 90. Um, <laughs> I think I saw someone say on Twitter that you can't tell me it's not a conspiracy that Cliff isn't uh, intentionally losing to uh, to get fired, get the get the buyout, and come be the offensive coordinator for Texas. Um, <laughs> uh, I'd be okay with he'd it. He'd clean up in Austin, man. But uh, no, I, I that, <laughs> that would be wonderful. I don't think it's going to happen, but... Uh, uh, and and if if Cliff or anyone anyone else came, a, a great statistic is that that would be Texas's uh, fifth offensive coordinator in four years, um, which is which is not how you want the numbers to skew. But anyways, um, yeah, I just watching watching uh, watching Shimanek run that offense, you know, was beautiful. And and of course, uh, we had a, a player fall down on a big touchdown, which is tough. Um, but I mean, the guy just looked like the quarterback that, that we worried that he was. Um, so it's kind of crazy that they didn't start out with that. And that's a little bit telling for that Texas defense, how it scares a coach makes him kind of think, um, and it's best iteration makes him think about what they do. You know, there's two, two ways is you just do your thing and, and attack through it, or you try to adjust to a, to a really strong defense, you know, and scheme around it. And uh, it looked like, you know, Cliff started with the, the the first option where he adjusted, maybe overthought it a little bit, um, and then kind of course corrected. But uh, but yeah, this this defense we've we've sung their praises week in week out. You know, they were the savior, and, and this truly again was was a case where you know the gap between the two units was was um, you know unbelievable. It was Grand Canyon. Um, but, uh, but the defense was not infallible. Um, there were some mistakes, there were some things, um, that could have been better, but, but again, we said we would, and we can do the same here, kind of, kind of hit on the negatives and then try to end on a couple positive things. Cause you know, we need that. We need that in our lives. It's Thanksgiving. Be thankful for what we got a bowl coming up. So, um, what'd you think on the defense that was good that you liked? Well, I think Chris Boyd played like he played a year ago, Chris Boyd played his best game of the season. Um, he was great in run support, broke up five passes, had a big interception. Uh, he, he played really, really well. I mean, I can't sing this guy's praises enough. Puna Ford continued to just be a, a madman in the middle. Yeah. I'm, I said it on the pre-show. I think I'm going to miss him more than I miss any other player. Like, and that's, that's not a shot at Malik. That's not a shot at Connor. Cause those two guys are generational talents. I think at, at Texas at this point, but I think Puna Ford has been so pivotal yeah. to this team and not just his play, but his attitude, yeah. like, Finding a guy who is a first round talent that's willing to go unsung because that's the scheme and that's what makes the team the best. You don't find that guy every day. Um, so continuing to see him just be a be a block eater. He he just beats yeah. up two, three guys on the offensive line, lets Malik fly free to come up with eleven tackles. Like I think back to our defensive coordinator in high school slapping slapping our D one talent on the backside and saying, Hey, your job is to make our our middle linebacker look like a stud. Uh <laughs> And that's what he did. Yeah. So like, that's what, that's what Puna has done all year. And I'm going to, I'm going to stink and miss that guy. And he continued to do it again against Texas tech. Yeah. I think we've said it a, a couple of times, or at least once on this podcast that Puna Ford's going to make some GM look like a genius when he gets him in the third round. And he's, you know, a perennial anchor um, to a defense. Uh, he, he really did senior night, right. You know, it's uh, it's been a rough four years for a lot of those guys. And uh, you know, his story is great following, following Charlie and kind of doing the right thing, sticking it out. Um, but he came in and did like he's done his whole career uh, team captain. And he was the senior who played his butt off yet again uh, for the team. And so I love that. I thought Gary Johnson was pretty good. Obviously last week uh, he was a monster, but he was, he was good 
um, this week against a team that you know didn't necessarily fit to his particular strengths quite as well. Um, but he he played a heck of a year, and I'm, I'm excited to see that guy uh, get one more year as kind of the, uh, the the real anchor if Malik uh, goes. And we might talk about that a little later. But if he isn't uh, isn't the the heart and soul of that team, then Gary Johnson will be interesting next year as he's the uh, the central piece. Um, sadly, our 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 greatest hope at a defensive award probably. Uh, Deshaun Elliott dropped an interception and, uh, and, you know, that might've hurt, hurt the, the Thorpe chances. Um, you know, one more on the stat sheet might be nice, but played a, played a decent game outside of that from what I saw. So, uh, some things to like, which is good. You know, we, we have that, um, uh, was there anything else that you come away as a season as it's ended? And of course we had the tough part with not having Holton Hill, um, having a couple injuries, um, is there anything that that you saw throughout the weeks that you said, "All right, uh, this is this is what I want to see. This defense this is what I like." What, what was your what was your favorite takeaway from from the defense this season? I think this season just playing physical, playing um, fast and physical, gang tackling is something that uh, we haven't seen in a long time. I think uh, that's something that the team has done better than I've seen that I've seen in the last three years. And again, that's a that's a testament to Todd Orlando's coaching yeah. uh, is, is and maybe back, you know, you asked a question about a guy who's progressed. Maybe uh, Gary Johnson's a guy that's progressed over the year. I think he's definitely somebody that I think him and Breck Hager probably both progressed if I had to say that. Oh yeah. I, I think on the defense, we had some progression. I, I'm not willing to put that evil on them. I, I think we did yeah. have players who, who truly grew uh, throughout the year. You can throw Boyd in there, but you know, that's, yeah. he started so low. That was smart from him. But, uh, but, yeah, I mean, I don't think that that same thing exists on the defense at all. I mean, it, truly, I was going to ask if, if, if you know, this isn't an Orlando defense, and we can talk about this later. But is this a is this purely a coaching thing, or is this a mentality? Because I do think that this team on the offensive side lacked a killer instinct, lacked a winner's mentality. Um, but with with the group of guys they had on that defense, I do feel like they had that instinct where you know they might get a fourth down stop. And then the offense goes three and out and they got to go right back out there, but they're not discouraged. They're just going to go stop you again. Um, is that replicable? Is that, does that carry over? I think it does. And I think the, the thing for me is you kind of have a pride in knowing that you're the bell cow, like whether you're a player or a unit, you have some pride knowing like we're the ones that are keeping this team in the game. You know, I think back to again, like playing in high school, we had a couple of D one guys and like, they knew that like, we're down a score, put the ball in my hands. I'm going to, I'm going to come up with it. Oh, you need to stop. I'm going to push the center back six yards and, and tackle him and the quarterback at the same time. Like yeah. I remember seeing those types of plays. And so you, when you're the bell cow guy or when you're the bell cow unit, I think you come out and you walk a little taller. And a lot of these guys on the defense aren't big talkers, um, but they are the speak softly and carry a big stick kind of mm-hmm. group. And so I think um, they have proved that they, they, I said it earlier in the season, if they play up to their talent, they can be one of the best units in the country. And I think, you know, again, throughout the season, maybe it didn't, maybe the results didn't show on the scoreboard, especially this last uh, Friday, but I think they definitely were the bell cow and they, they walked with a little pride and walked with a little confidence knowing that we're the ones that, that most of the games Texas won this year were on us. And, and just one more thing before we move on on this defense, and this this will probably infuriate you, but uh, I saw a statistic come across uh, Twitter, I believe that uh, that said this is the first Texas or the first uh, Big Twelve team, excuse me, in uh, in a decade since two thousand six to hold all conference opponents under thirty points because you know the Big Twelve is where offense is made, uh, just means more on the offensive side of the ball, um, but uh, and that 
Longhorns team went five and four in, in conference. So yeah. that's just, uh, that's got to be infuriating, but good for those guys, you know, focusing on the defense. Good for them. They, uh, they came out and did what they needed to do um, all year. Uh, could have got one more stop against tech. Sure. Could have won on their interceptions uh, have gone through. Sure. But you know, I'm not going to put this on them. Okay. So briefly, Kyle, let's, let's just jump to these roster moves. Cause we're running a bit long this week. Uh, so as of the time of the recording, so this morning we got two announcements that Texas is losing some players. Um, Chris Warren was the first domino to fall after moving from, from halfback to H back tight end. Uh, Chris Warren announced his intentions to transfer. Uh, he is a true junior. So he's got a red shirt year available to him. So he could transfer, sit out a year and then play. Uh, it's notable that he is from Washington and he decided to go to Texas over uh, Washington on a coin flip. So, uh, Washington possibly could be a destination, but they got a pretty good running back up there. And then Connor Williams announced uh, via Twitter that he is going pro next year. He's going to forego a senior season. Uh, he's not going to be playing in the bowl game, which I think is a genius move, especially as a guy who is still rehabbing a knee. Probably yeah. um, there are rumors that anywhere from seven to nine additional players could either declare early, leave the team, or transfer. Uh, so we'll we'll talk more in depth about that after that news continues to drop and, and heading into recruiting. But Kyle, I just want to ask you, like, what what do you think this level of attrition is going to do to a team that needs to find consistency and improve on a six and six performance? Yeah, that's tough, right? Um, it's it's a crazy thing that on a six and six team you have enough talent for people to go pro early and and be a high enough draft pick that they decide to forego eligibility, right? That tells you that you probably didn't maximize your talent, unfortunately. Uh, but there are some really really good players on this team, and we could see a few of them go pro. Um, we, we could see some more uh, some more attrition. One thing to think about. Um, it, from a, a transitional year from, from Charlie to Herman, oftentimes you see a mass, mass migration. Um, and some credit to Tom Herman for coming in, you know, pumping the sun, sunshine, selling these kids um, enough that we didn't have a terrible amount. There were some key losses. There were some key positions where we would have loved to have some of that depth and have some of those players. Um, but there wasn't, you know, the, the, what you see sometimes where 15 guys instantly are gone and it's just, a, it really changes what you have. So it's almost maybe, this is regression back to that after giving Herman a year. A lot of these guys, you know, didn't necessarily see the dream as, as the same as it was sold or, or just saw a different system that they didn't fit. Um, I think, I think Warren honestly would be, I, I'm interested to see how he would do in another offense with a good line. The guy needs a step and a head of steam. And then he's a, he's a monster when he can, you know, run at you full speed. Um, but I thought actually the the move would be good for his NFL prospects. Cause I don't think you see that type of back all that much in the NFL now. So it gives him an, a year to get a head start on, you know, guys like swoops who, who made that move at that level. Yep. Um, so, you know, I, uh, I don't, I'm never going to be mad at guys for going and trying to do what's best for them themselves and their career and make that money kids. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I do think that, that it's going to hurt and it's going to hurt in positions, you know, like the offensive line um, where we're thin paper thin already, and maybe don't have a dozen recruits ready to come in and step in or red shirt guys who are just ready to go. Um, but I think we need to, what Texas needs to do is they need to sit down and, and identify 
you know, from this year when they look back on a hold, this is this is where our weak points were. This is what we need to do now. You know, take take out you know this piece and this piece and this piece, and this is where there's glaring holes. Because there comes a point where year two is supposed to be the successful one, right? Year two is where uh, you see good coaches uh, produce. I mean, Nick Saban had the same record in his first year. Um, he had won a national championship at LSU before that, so he definitely had a pedigree. Um, but then he came back and and destroyed everyone in the second year at Alabama and pretty much has done that ever since. I'm not saying Herman is Nick Saban, but um, I think Tom Herman is a good coach and I think has the potential to be a very good coach. And uh, year two is supposed to be that progression. So navigating this and navigating kind of the, the second level or secondary exodus from the program will really truly define probably Texas football for the coming years. So there, there is, there is some importance to this stuff. And uh Man, I hope they're they're more confident and smarter than I am because, uh, you know, I do have some worries. I'm I, when when those hype videos come out next year and football rolls around, I'm going to be the first one sitting there beating my chest, ready to root for that team. But uh, it is a little worrying. It's a little worrying to see where we're sitting at, talent wise and depth wise, uh, on the roster. If if as many of these guys go as they, we think they might. There's a difference between, and you kind of have to in this, when you do something like this, like divide your brain, kind of uh, break it in half and, and look at, okay, as a fan, they're going to go 13 and 0 win a national championship. <laughs> as, as someone who, who is starting to analyze this team and look critically at it, uh, they may have some weak spots. The fact that they've lost an offensive lineman or rumored to probably lose three or four more and only have two commits in this 2018 class. Yep. Not a great look. So quickly, let's jump in. We'll talk. I'll just briefly hit on basketball because we're running long this week, and then we'll do a quick bang the drum. Yep. So in coupling probably the most disappointing Saturday I've had in a very long time, probably since I was single and had a really bad date, uh, <laughs> going into this collapse against uh, Texas Tech, the basketball team blew a 12-point lead against number one Duke. Yeah. They were like running. They led as much as six, by 16 points. It was, it was nuts. Uh, collapsed in the final minutes of registration. Your boy Mo Bamba had a couple of really dumb plays. Yeah. Uh, he's a freshman, so that happens. But again, I'm tired of saying freshman mistakes on this podcast. <laughs> had a couple, If he comes up with a rebound in regulation, Texas wins by two. Uh, and then on Sunday, as I'm driving back, from from visiting my folks in San Antonio, I'm getting text alerts about uh, Texas erasing a 16 point deficit instead of uh, having one erased, uh, and then they they tie the game with three seconds left, and then just get absolutely blasted in overtime, um, which is which is tough. Yeah. Uh, it's tough for me to watch. I think the defense on this team is going to show a lot. I think if they can get their three point percentages up, I think they're in the bottom like 300 in the nation in three and three pointer uh, shooting. Yeah. So at this point, uh, it's a little it's it's if they can get that going, I think that that's the difference between them being really good and being a great team. So Kyle, any thoughts on on Texas basketball and where we're heading for for 17, 18? In the sake of time, I won't go into the deep, deep, deep dive, and I hope we can get into it a little bit more on some of the uh, some of the ensuing podcasts. But uh, I mean, just remember, this is a team that last year won ten regular season games. They actually came into the season ranked number twenty one on the back of a strong recruiting class, um, but it just never came together. And that happens sometimes. It shouldn't at Texas, but it happens. They won ten games and only one game away from home. They these were neutral site games. They've already. One uh, one neutral side game against against Butler, a pretty decent Butler team, and uh, in one road game, so they're they're already trending upward. They got uh, I think like forty percent of all the wins they had last year already. They lost to the number one team and the number seventeen team in the in the nation in both in overtime. So it's not doom and gloom, and this is this is nothing. But you hope again 
the same as the, that we talked about in the football team. You hope that this translates later in the season that you learn from this, that these close ones where they got to overtime and didn't win it turn into, you know, growth for some guys, um, maybe even coaching where, where Shaka Smart sees some things a little differently with some of his substitutions and decisions. Uh, some of the guys who, who fouled out, you know, maybe just bring that aggression back just a notch so they can, they can play a couple extra minutes. Um, you know, there's some things there that, that I think will happen. Uh, the fun thing is if you haven't seen it, you should go immediately uh, and Google Snoop Roach's dunk all over uh, Duke's, you know, uh, lottery picks uh, next year. It was sick and nasty and might be the dunk of the NCAA season so far. And maybe all the way through, it was incredible and I love it. Um, and just give him a little shine. He's playing some pretty good ball. Uh, the, the team is a little inconsistent. You never know who the top scorer is going to be every night. Um, if they can get weapons firing on the same night at the same time, uh, this could be this could be a really good team, a really uh, really interesting team. Three point shooting, they're going to struggle all year. But if they even get it to a respectable distance with uh, with Matt Coleman, who I'm going to talk about when we talk basketball, I love this kid, the point guard Matt Coleman for that team. Um, they have a chance to be a really, really nasty, really scary team. If they get that press going, they're going to be a team, no matter what their number is next to their name. And I do think they'll have a number by their name uh, this year that they're going to be a team you don't want to see in the tournament. So I like what I've seen. It's really frustrating to uh, have to have close losses be a thing of the basketball team too. But uh, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm ready for this basketball season. I think this is going to be a good one. Yeah, it, I think this team has a shot. I don't. Again, I don't think they're Kansas good, but I think they're they're definitely one of the top teams in the conference. So quickly, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week in honor of Big Bertha, our favorite, one of our favorite game day traditions? That's right. Um, I'm going to go with the remember, remember the 19th of November, um, and I was going to make a rhyme, but I'll, I'll skip that. Uh, November 19th was the unofficial date that Tom Herman became the coach of the Texas Longhorns. Now that uh, was the date that Charlie Strong had uh, had lost to Kansas. So he was as good as gone. Uh, and just, I believe, a day or two days earlier, uh, Herman had beaten uh, Louisville, who was number three at the time. It's easy to forget that, but was a legitimate, you know, title contender. And Lamar Jackson, the clear front runner for the Heisman, um, went on to win it, of course. But uh Knocked them off, and I think that was enough for Texas to say, yeah, that's our guy. Um, but uh, he lost his final two that year, including the bowl game to, to San Diego State. And I said earlier that Tom Herman is a good coach, the potential to be a great coach. If you go back to um, when they were number six in the country that had some big wins and lost to Navy, um, I believe that was, uh, I don't remember the exact week, but like week six, five, somewhere in there. Um, last year, Tom Herman in his last 20 football games, including the the ones this season is 10 and 10, 500. So for all the superlatives about Herman coming in uh, and all the, you know, he's undefeated against uh, ranked teams and beat all the big dogs. Uh, he's had some really, really, really good signature wins. He's had losses to a really bad Maryland team. Um, you know, a really mediocre to bad SMU team last year with, with Houston in the, and a tech team, you know, which I think six and six, again, is very generous. That could easily be a three-win team. Um, they beat the, the tar out of some really, really bad teams. The only quality win they have this year, maybe you can count Texas, but is Arizona State. So I, I want to see year two for Tom Herman. You know, it's uh, 10 and 10 in the last 20 games is, is Texas level right now. We want Texas level, you know, at our peak, and that's where he needs to get us. So that's what I'm like looking for all offseason and ready for year two. Like you said, I think Charlie Strong is only one loss 
worse than Tom Herman at this point. We we went through all that turmoil for for a win over Kansas. That's literally the difference between between Herman and Chuck at this point. So I think uh, the coaching staff needs to do something in the offseason. My bang the drum is the offense and the production, specifically in the second half. I was just curious what this would look like, and it broke my stinking heart. So I looked at all the conference games this year, and Texas is averaging 7.4 points in the second half of football games. That's not not how you win football games at all. Uh, Kansas and Baylor are floating that average for sure. Uh, they have three games in which they only managed a field goal in the second half and one game that they were completely shut out in the second half. So that is not great. And if they do that again in the bowl game, Texas will have another losing season and we will send these seniors out with a really, really black mark on their record. And you know, the sad thing is we spent a lot of time uh, praising Todd Orlando for his incredible second half adjustments and the way you've seen that flipped with the defense coming out strong. It's uh, it speaks a little bit to that coaching. Um, if you're, if you're doing the opposite and coming out much, much worse in the second half, it is not a good look heading into hopefully what will make them seven and six instead of six and seven have our first back-to-back losing seasons or three back-to-back losing seasons in it's, it's like 1930, something ridiculous like that. We hope we don't see that well thank you so much for listening in again this week uh, if you like what we do it mean a lot if you leave us a rating or a review on itunes share this with your friends share this with your coworkers. somebody you know loves texas longhorn sports kyle where can the good folks find you on the internet oh you can find me on the twitter.com at kyle carpenter you can find my work all across the greater internet and across sb nation uh pounding the rock and also um doing uh, the texas pregame over at barking carnival the soon to be maybe not as great internet support net neutrality guys it would it is vital uh, you can find me on twitter i am at gh goodridge you can follow the show on twitter at longhorn pod and you can shoot us an email at longhorn republic pod at gmail.com thank you so much for listening in again this weekend until next time welcome welcome